May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit unite and keep our hearts that we may not only this evening but always be open to the Word of God for strengthening to our faith and for the revelation that God wants to give unto us, all His children of His Son, Jesus Christ, which would all result to the glory of God, our dear Father in Heaven. It's nice to see so many here gathered this evening. I hadn't had an opportunity to see what was above here on that second level but from here I get a good view, and it's just about as many up there as there are down here. And I'm sure if everyone who are in the hallways would come inside, we'd even have more here gathered as we together fellowship around the Word of God. We all enjoy close fellowship, don't we? This pulpit seems to be about 50 feet too far away from everyone here. But we can enjoy close fellowship in spirit even so. This evening I would like to read for our text. The Word of God is found in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, the first chapter. I would like to read the first 14 verses. And if we have time would like to also comment on Paul's closing prayer or shall we say after he wrote the first 14 verses he could not contain himself but he had to pray to the living God because of what he had or what was just given to him to write these children of God in Ephesus and us here this evening. The Word of God is as follows in the name of our Lord, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He had abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He had purposed in Himself, that in the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, 
in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Amen. Sometimes when reading the word of God, we decide in our minds at those moments that this has to be the most precious and the most glorious of the written word that I have come across. This probably has been your experience many times as well. And then when on another occasion we read some other portion of the word prayerfully and it seems that a measure of that word is open up unto us, we say then again that this has to be the most glorious and the most precious part of the Word of God, the Holy Bible, that has been given unto us. The Apostle writes this epistle to the Ephesians, and he shows them by that word that is given him who they are in Christ Jesus. He also writes an epistle to the Colossians, and there he seems to write so similarly but it is more directed at who Christ Jesus is in us. Because the church in Colossae were sorely tempted to turn their eyes away from Christ onto themselves and to begin to think that there is something of themselves that they could do or work through philosophy, through the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ that would edify and build them up and, and give them strength and assurance of their eternal welfare as well as this temporal life. Paul here, writing to the Ephesians, wants us to understand that the work of God in us is a work by which we can identify in Christ Jesus so that everything that Christ Jesus is, so are we in this world. How can we say that? Is that really what the Apostle says? The Apostle John writes in his first epistle, as we heard this afternoon, as he, Christ Jesus, is, so are we in this world, so that we might have boldness in the day of judgment. Imagine that, beloved, that as Christ Jesus is, so are we. The Apostle writes to the Corinthians, and he says that Christ Jesus has been made unto us for everything that pertains unto this life. It comes from heaven. It has been authored in heaven, and it has been transported unto us by the Holy Spirit. And Christ Jesus, His wisdom is our wisdom. His redemption, His sanctification, His atonement, it is in Him, but it is in us of you you are of God in Christ Jesus who has been made unto us for wisdom righteousness sanctification and redemption 
The apostle after, as his custom always seemed to be, addressing children of God with grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, begins in the third verse then by saying, Blessed be the God. He is thanking God. That is the opening breath that comes from his lips to address the children of God with, first of all, turning their eyes and their hearts toward the living God, that they would find that in the living God there are blessings, blessings that move us unto thankfulness. He has introduced them again, as we are always to be introduced to the grace that is in our Lord Jesus Christ, which results in peace that comes from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this grace in which all things are found, it is God working. Grace is God working in us. And He is always laboring and working in grace and through grace and in behalf of us, in us, revealing the Lord Jesus Christ unto us in greater measures in greater depths of understanding of love and forgiveness, of wisdom and understanding, of strength and courage to meet the enemy of the soul, as Peter also was told that Peter, because of this testimony of Christ Jesus that you have, you have been shown great grace from heaven. And this testimony that you have, that you know that I am Christ, the Son of the living God, and there are no judgments, no accusations. There is nothing that is imagined or concocted by Satan himself that shall ever prevail against you because you have Christ Jesus in your heart. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. One of the amazing things in reading the Scriptures, we find that God never limits any of His blessings that He extends unto us. He doesn't give us a little bit out of His storehouse of goodness and mercy, but He always gives us um, everything. You remember in the in the account of the prodigal son, the elder son was told that everything that I have is yours. The prodigal son was also given everything. We read in the scripture that God always brings those who he brings unto himself. He gives them everything that he has that is his. The Bible tells us here that God has given us all spiritual blessings. And where do we find them? We find them in heavenly places in Christ. Where is Christ this evening that is a heavenly place? It is here among us, beloved. We read this in the second chapter of Colossians, when we see that the living God, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, here dwells among His body, the head and the body is not separated. The triune Godhead is not some distant place far off somewhere. And his body is here on this earth and struggling to get along somehow. No, it is not. Christ Jesus here is among us this evening. And we are in his kingdom. That's the heavenly place. 
Three times in this epistle we are reminded that the heavenly place that the children of God has been brought and, and set down with Jesus Christ and is here. The Lord Jesus Christ has a spiritual kingdom. The spiritual kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he that serves God in this is acceptable unto God and is approved of men, it is written. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we think of the living God as being somewhat different than the Lord Jesus Christ. I can understand the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, but I have a few other types of thoughts concerning God the Father. I don't always see Him as a Father. I see Him more as a stern judge. The living God Himself has never reneged on His Word and on what He has said from the beginning, from the very first verse of Genesis to the conclusion of the book of Revelation, but beloved, all the judgment that has come that has been as a sentence upon sin was taken upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It was placed upon him. The living God placed the sin that you and I are upon himself, upon his own son. God himself is a reflection of God the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ explains this. We read it frequently in the Gospel of John. When we see the Son, we also have seen the Father. When we see the Son in forgiveness, we see the Father in forgiveness. God the Father himself has spoken from heaven, and we have heard him. We, on three different occasions, it is recorded in the Gospels that God speaks with an audible voice declaring so that those who were there could hear. Jesus said, this voice did not come because of me, but because of you so that you might hear even from, the, from heaven itself and what God says concerning His Son and what does He say. He says that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye Him. Isn't it interesting that the Bible doesn't tell us anywhere to listen to anyone else? Jesus Himself also says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. The Lord Jesus Christ teaches that which God has given and gives unto him, and he teaches it well. We are hard of listening and hard of learning. But the Spirit of God who lives within us is not weary or tired of teaching and showing us again and again how there is so much reason to say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Would you underline that in your Bibles and then write it upon your hearts? That we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. That means that everything that is in Christ Jesus that is manifest in him, that we see in his life, death and resurrection and ascension, is our ours, yours and mine also this evening. It has been given us in him. This is what the Bible here tells us, and we are given the privilege to believe it also. When he says that he has given us all spiritual blessings, I'm reminded also of Peter who wrote him that we have been given everything in Christ Jesus that pertains unto life and godliness. Everything means then that there is no limit as to what God has given. And one of the favorite words that the Apostle Paul likes to use is the word according. When, God's, when the Apostle writes as he was led, 
he writes concerning the grace of God and the power of God and all the virtues that are in Christ Jesus. He tells us that God has given them unto us according to the riches of his grace and glory. We read that in the second prayer recorded in this uh, epistle to uh, the Ephesians when he says unto them in the third chapter that God has given us everything that is in Christ Jesus according to the riches of his grace and glory. According is what God gives according to what he has. We give according to what we have. Imagine God gives according to what he has. Have we been able to see everything that God has given unto us? We haven't been able to see it, but that's why Paul in the first prayer, verses 15 through 23 of the first chapter, prays unto God in our behalf and asks God that he would reveal unto us continuously the riches that we have in Christ Jesus and according to his riches in glory. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. As he had chosen us in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. You thought that God found you maybe a few years ago and knew of you maybe some years back and you can't quite think how far back but most of us, I think, here this evening can remember the first time we heard the voice of God speaking unto us, and it was very certain it was the living God speaking. And God has already been speaking unto us from eternity past. He has just made it known unto us in these last times. God has already spoken, and He has already planned, and He has ordained before the foundation of the world, as the Lord Himself in the 17th chapter of John in his high priestly prayer, prays and says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now what does that have to do with us before the world was? How was God going to glorify his Son by way of the cross? What does the cross have to do with me? It has everything to do with me and with you and the whole world. There in, in, in the cross is the atonement paid for all our sin. We are reconciled unto God. How complete and perfect is that reconciliation? Did you follow what Jesus prayed? Jesus prayed and says that I might be brought back to the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That's where you and I are resting this evening in the glory of Jesus Christ which was as perfect as it was before the world was before there was ever any sin. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Didn't he know what kind of sin we would enter into? Didn't he know what kind of sin that we are? We are walking transgressions, you and I are. The living God says, I will provide a reconciliation that we'd be so perfect, so perfect that when God looks upon us, he sees us as he saw everything before the world was. That's who we are, Christ Jesus, this evening. And then he says he has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Sometimes we think that we have to become good in order for his will to be done. Apostle Paul here says that it is he who is good and therefore his will is done. When we look to the goodness of God, then we see the good will of God also. 
Did you notice that as we have read so far through our text that everything has been done through Jesus Christ our Lord? So far, nothing has been done dependent upon you and me. It is God who comes unto us and works His will toward us, and so far His will is glorious. And I think that the will of God is always going to be gloriously revealed unto us. That's why the Apostle concludes the 8th chapter of Romans with that hallelujah chorus when he says we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And then he explains how that he is persuaded that there is nothing that can separate him from the love of God or you and me cannot be separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. First, our Lord has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Then he has chosen us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. And now he has predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. We can't get away from Jesus Christ, can we? When they speak about being chosen as being predestinated, and when the Apostle Peter speaks about election, it is all in Christ Jesus. If we want to understand what these doctrines of being chosen and being predestined and being elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, we have to look to Jesus Christ and learn of Him. As we learn of Jesus Christ, we learn of Him already from eternity past. And we can learn of him also in the present and also in the future. Because the Bible tells us again, in the 8th chapter of Romans, when the Apostle Paul says that not only have we been predestinated, but we have also been called. And whom he called them, he also justified. And whom he justified. What, does, what has happened to those who are justified tonight? What does the Bible tell us here has also taken place? They have also been glorified. Do you feel you've been glorified tonight? Most of us are wrestling with our sinful human nature here this evening. The Apostle Paul says, don't wrestle with your sinful human being. Wrestle rather with this, that you might by the earnestness of the Holy Spirit be shown that you have also ascended with Christ Jesus and you have been set down together with him in heavenly places. That's what the Bible tells us. We have already been glorified. But we haven't yet seen the fullness of it. Brother Earl says that there is a space between now and eternity. And that's where we are today. In the sixth chapter of John, it tells us in the same account that Brother Earl used as his text tonight, that when Jesus entered into the ship, the water was still, and they were immediately on the other side. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Does it feel like that it's going to be immediately that you're going to be there? No. We measure things in time. Christ doesn't. But what the Lord has to show us in regard to His glory and who He is in grace and in truth that we have in Him is that while we are in Him and we abide in Him, there is no danger of you and I being lost because Christ is holding on to us. Now you say, no, I've gone too far. Look at the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John again. We have read it many times, but sometimes we read things too fast. And when the Apostle John writes, he says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Now that must mean that, doesn't it? Now if you and I were the author of these words, we have reason to doubt them. 
but Christ Jesus has already spoken these things in eternity past. He just brought the message down to us here 2,000 years ago, and we have them before us this evening. When he says, My sheep hear my voice. When we are listening and hearing his voice, the first thing he tells us is that I give unto them eternal life. The life that shall never die. It shall not be taken away from you. It is eternal. It isn't that we need to wait for eternal life when we get to heaven. It has already begun for us here in this world, in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. We are already joined to heaven. When he tells us here that he, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. If we have a difficult time believing that, Jesus says in the next verse, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So God the Father is holding on to us, and so is God the Son holding on to us, and they shall not perish. When the Apostle says here that we have been chosen in Him and we have been predestined, predestined in Christ Jesus um, to the adoption of children according to the good pleasure. God has great pleasure in having predestined us unto the adoption of children or to become His children. When he says that this has been done to the praise of the glory of His grace. So far we have not seen anything as dependent on you and I, have we? But we see here that everything so far is not only dependent on the living God and His Son, Jesus Christ, but it has already been done. We can't change what has been done. It has been established. It is fulfilled. You and I are asked to walk in this. That's what the... Fourth, fifth, and sixth chapter of Ephesians speaks about when it begins to tell us about our walk. In the first three chapters, it speaks about what we are to believe. And after that we believe it, then we are to walk. And we are to walk in Christ Jesus, which has been made, who has been made unto us our election, having been chosen in Him, predestinated also in Him unto the glory of His grace, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He had made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Well, now we have been chosen, we have been predestined, and we have now been redeemed. In the seventh verse, we, have, we see in Christ Jesus we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. I can't help but remember Pastor Michelson when I read this verse. He often quoted this verse, and I can hear his voice in my ears. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, he used to say, according to the riches of his grace. It is wonderful to remember these messages from the elders, but we are not living in the past. We're living in the present, and Christ Jesus reveals these words unto us by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, and He tells us that we have redemption through His blood. In Christ Jesus we are completely redeemed, and we have the forgiveness of all our sins, again, according to the riches of His grace. There's that word again, according to the riches of His grace. How great are the riches of His grace? The Apostle writing to the Romans tells us that where sin abounded, there that grace much more abound. Do you know what he said in the original tongue? Now, I'm not a scholar of anything, but I have come across this. 
When Paul says that where sin abounded, he concluded by saying, there the grace of God infinitely abounded toward us, meaning that there is no measure to the grace of God, but there is a measure to our sin. The grace of God is infinitely greater. You cannot find that the, the grace of God cannot meet and cover and cleanse you from all your sins and from all your unrighteousness, and neither can I. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. The riches of His grace. Isn't it wonderful to know these are riches? Now what is grace again? Well, when we look into Christ Jesus, as Jesus told us to do, and learn of Him, and as we learn of Him, we learn of what grace means, what the grace of God is. We learn more about the depth and the height and the breadth and the length of the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. We learn something more about His redemption, about His reconciliation. We learn about His justifying power. We learn about how He keeps us in on every side and covers us with His hand. I have set the Lord before me, and He is at my side. I shall not be moved, David says. And he rejoiced in the beauty of the holiness of the Son of God, because the grace of God makes the holiness of God so outstandingly beautiful. We cannot behold it with carnal eyes. We can only behold it with the eyes of faith. And then it tells us, wherein he had abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. That means in, in the wisdom of God, which knows how to deal with every one of us. And according to spiritual insight, the Lord knows exactly how to reveal his Son unto us in the riches of his grace, that he might bring the forgiveness of sins unto fallen mankind, unto you and unto me, unto the young people, unto everyone, so that in the wisdom of God we then proclaim Jesus Christ, not in our own wisdom, by the spiritual insight that God gives while we look not at the things which are seen, we judge not after the sight of our eyes, we judge not, as Jesus said, according to appearance, but we judge righteous judgment. How do we get that righteous judgment so that we can judge righteously? We get it according to the riches of His grace that is in Christ Jesus. And we bring the forgiveness of sins unto one another. We bring the redemption that is in Christ Jesus unto one another. We speak of Christ, who is the wisdom of God. There is nothing in the Holy Scripture that can be separated from Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, is in every page and in every word of the Scripture. We many times quote that, that Scripture from Revelation that tells us that Christ Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega, that means He is the A and He is all the letters in the alphabet to the last letter of the alphabet. He is everything in between and every word that our alphabet makes up according to the Scriptures is Christ Jesus. And that's what the angel from heaven said. He is 
the Alpha, the Alpha and the Omega. That means that Christ Jesus, who is, even here this evening, is revealed in every word of the pages of the Holy Scripture. And what does he reveal concerning himself? He reveals that he is our redemption. He is the forgiveness of our sins. Christ Jesus is the riches of God's grace. And then having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Again, we see that he has done this in Christ Jesus because it was his good pleasure to do so. Isn't it amazing? Doesn't the living God know what you are like and what I are like? How can he have good pleasure? in coming unto you and me with such wonderful, beautiful message that we can be saved through His Son, Jesus Christ. If He knows what we are like, then He wouldn't have any pleasure. Well, that's true. He has no pleasure in the sin that we are. That's why He provided a deliverance out of our sins. He brought us to the cross, and there we are crucified with Him. But we are raised again with Christ Jesus on the other side of the cross, and, and we have been set down with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, and as the Word tells us. This is the good pleasure of God. That's why we want to speak about God's good pleasure, and not about what we think about God, but rather what God thinks of Himself, and, and how He wants to reveal Himself unto us. Sometimes thinking on the time of creation, it tells us that the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. Why wasn't the Spirit of God somewhere else? Why would He want to be upon the waters there where the world is going to be made, where Adam and Eve is going to be created, and where you and I eventually were going to be found? It seems as we look upon the description <clears throat> Of the world as it was without form and void, there was water. But out of that water is the world going to be made, and the Spirit of God is right there. And the Spirit of God has not moved from there, beloved, even though He was sent unto us on Pentecost. But yet we read in the Scripture that the Spirit of God has always been with us. It was a great pleasure, if I can put it this way, it was of great anxiety unto the Spirit of God that the world would be made. I don't mean anxiety in the negative sense, but rather in an anxious way, waiting to reveal unto us who the living God is. We don't need to know a whole lot about ourselves. We know that we are sin about ourselves. Jesus says, learn of Him. You know what's going to happen unto the sinner? who is going to learn about Jesus Christ. He's going to find himself a sinner as he studies Jesus Christ prayerfully. Sometimes we think that we, by examining ourselves, we're going to find ourselves as we truly are, sinful and corrupt. You know, it'll never happen. Well, doesn't the Bible say that we're supposed to examine ourselves? What does it say? It says, examine yourselves whether there's any faith in your heart. And the faith that is the gift of God, examine that to see if there is. So you look for the faith, don't look for what you are. When we look for what the living God reveals unto us, and then we can say, as Isaiah said, Woe is me when the Lord was high and lifted up in His holiness, and when the Lord also was revealed to Saul on the road to Damascus. And so has been the revelation to all of us, and that's when we died. 
The Lord Jesus Christ reveals himself unto us in grace and truth and delivers us from that which we are, from our sin. And we have been covered in the goodness and the mercy of God. He has made known unto us the mystery of his will. It's still a mystery unto many. The will of God is a mystery because that mystery is Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. That he writes to the Colossians. He says the mystery of God is a revealed mystery, but it's revealed unto those who receive the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, who recognize him as Isaiah writes that he is a God who reveals himself, but he is also a God who hides himself. How is he hidden? He is hidden because of unbelief. Unbelief hides the Lord Jesus Christ, can't see him. But he who sees him, sees him because faith has entered into his heart. It begins with, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. That is the beginning. There is where the sinner is beginning to see who the living God is, and he reveals himself. And, and the sinner finds that I am hopelessly sinful. I am indeed a walking transgression. I am sinful. The depth of my heart has nothing good of itself. It is only sin. That is why there is really nothing attractive or edifying to talk about when we talk about our sins. We acknowledge our need. We acknowledge that we are sinners. But that's not where we dwell or live. But rather we turn unto him whom Jesus has invited us to turn to, and that is unto himself. And the Spirit of God takes, as the Bible says, of Christ Jesus and reveals him unto us. Isn't it wonderful what it says? The Spirit of God shall teach us about Jesus Christ as he does. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ Jesus. Now what are these all things that he is going to gather together so that they may become one? both which are in heaven and which are on earth. There is a distance that separates us from heaven and earth to us. And it is time. We see things with human eyes and we think that we are far from heaven. We are not far from heaven. When God opens up our eyes in that time when he has designated, we will see that there is no distance. Remember that boat and when Jesus entered into the ship, it was immediately on the other side. That means that it was immediately on the other side. While the disciples were laboring all the night, they didn't hardly get anywhere. But when Christ is in the ship, we are immediately on their side. It is as though we are there already this evening. The day is going to come when he is going to show us that we are one. We are one with all that which is in heaven. There isn't going to have to be any changes when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. We are only going to leave behind that which belongs here on this earth. That which we are truly in Christ is the true reality and we will be with him even as he sees us. 
As he is, so are we in the world, the Word of God tells us. How do we know this? Do we feel that way? No, we don't. But the Bible tells us we believe it. And the Word of God says the children of God must live by faith. And the Bible also says in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, when the apostle writes at the end of that chapter, he says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Do you know that the Bible doesn't say anything about any, giving up anything else except faith? If you give up faith, you've given up everything. We can lose a lot of other things and give them up along the way, and it won't really matter very much. But there is one thing, one singular thing, which is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, and that is faith. For therein is Christ Jesus revealed unto us from glory to glory. It's written in the early part of the book of Romans. He says that if, my, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, but we are not of them who draw back, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Do you know that Paul used the term draw back as a nautical term? That means fishermen knows the description that he was using. In that day, and I remember when I was a boy in Norway, sailing boats, Boats, they were not used for pleasure. They were used for fishing, commercial fishing. Sails were used in the old, old days. I may sound like I'm old, and I feel that way sometimes, but there were those in that day, and they couldn't obviously negotiate the fjords or the seas without knowing how to also negotiate the sails so that it would take advantage of the wind that would bring them to their chartered destiny to the harbor of their final destination. Paul is using that description. He says, don't lower your sails when he says, do not draw back. Do not draw or lower your sails because the wind of the Holy Spirit blows into the sail and only knows to blow into the sails of faith and it will lead you into the place of the harbor of final fulfillment and attainment that is unto us shores of heaven itself. Nothing else is going to bring you there but the Holy Spirit will bring you there and will do it by reason of faith. Therefore, the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who he has described here in our text so far, that we might be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, that we should be to the praise, praise of his glory. Beloved, again, it tells us, Look unto what God has done. For what purpose has He saved us? He has saved us for His glorious name's sake, for the praise of His glory. Isn't that far better than to think that there was some reason He found in you and me to save us? If it was, He might change His mind. But He doesn't change His mind when He has the basis for the reason of having saved us and is the praise of His own glory which is established forever and God changes not. He will never change His mind concerning you and me. 
In Christ Jesus we have obtained an inheritance according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. Isn't it interesting? Can't get over these words. The apostle often speaks in past tense. In the eleventh verse of our text he says, In Christ Jesus, that's the whom, also we have obtained. He doesn't say that we are going to obtain it. He says we have already obtained it. In Christ Jesus, that is the inheritance. Have you and I received it? Well, we received partial payment. We've been given a partial measure of that inheritance, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given unto us, and the Holy Spirit, therefore, who is a partial payment of the inheritance that is also ours this evening. He can only speak and show us that which He comes from.